Hello, and welcome to Pianotech Radio Hour, the weekly bridge to the future of the Pianotech community. I'm David Anderson. And I'm Ethan Janney. And we're here to ask great questions, and then we'll shut up and listen to some of the authorities, experts, and most outstanding personalities in our little world of pianos. So, put on your best set of headphones, and let's get started. Come on in. Come on in, everybody. Everybody. Ron Engel. Hey, man. All right. Cy Schuster. Cy Schuster, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Cyrus, is that right? Short for Cyrus? Absolutely. David Boyce. All the way across the muddy pond. We've also got Raymond Cugnillo over there in South Africa. Clement and uh, Mauritius, Clement Kanji and Mauritius in the Indian Ocean. Yeah, cool. Very nice. Good to see you all. Welcome. All right. Well, I'll start. Uh, we'll start kicking us off today, and we're gonna get uh, our little ritual started. And and uh, Daniel's gonna give you, you know, uh, the little promo up front and an introduction of our guest today, and then we'll we'll launch right into it. Hey everyone, I just want to let you know that Piano Tech Radio Hour is being brought to you by Piano Technicians Masterclasses, an online educational resource that offers you cutting edge instruction from piano industry masters without leaving your home. Find out more at www.pianotechniciansmasterclass.com slash PTM 2020. And actually, you don't have to put the last part at the end anymore. Just go to the okay. website. <laughs> we're, we're renewing everything. Okay. Good to know. Um, um, well, give me one second here. Yeah. Um, just exit out of a window I shouldn't have. <laughs> uh, so, so today we're uh, very happy to have Glenn Trebitz with us. Um, Trebitz. Trebitz. Sorry about that. Trebitz. <laughs> Um, and that's something a little about Glenn. In addition to running Hollywood piano, Glenn is a trained music educator and has served as a pianist, vocal coach, musical director, and conductor for musicals, nightclubs, and cabarets. He's also an award-winning musical theater composer, lyricist, and librettist. Um, the media, colleagues, and other experts often call Glenn for his advice and information on all things pianos. His company, Hollywood Piano, has supplied pianos to major Hollywood movies and TV productions and has a rich history intertwined with the entertainment industry. Yeah, Glenn, welcome. It's very Thanks. exciting. Thanks for having Well, yeah, thank you for being here. I don't know whether we'll talk a lot about the history of Hollywood Piano or, you know, just your experience in, in the industry in general, but I know in kind of reviewing the website, that's, that's, that's a fun part of of what Hollywood piano has been all about, just kind of being part of the magic of the, of the movies and stuff like that. Yeah, You know, the, the company just happened to be at the right place at the right time. I'm the second owner of the company, the founding family, uh, their, their father was in the construction business and someone was constructing a music school. And during the process of the construction ran out of money. And uh, he said, look, I'm going back to Buffalo. I can't pay you for the building, but I have all these pianos we were going to put in the building. I'll give them to you. And so he had pianos everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't know what to do with them. And somebody said, hey, mister, can can you uh, lease me one of those for $2 a month? 
and and that's how it started and then all those pianos got rented and that happened to be in 1928 when sound came to the movies so they just happened to be at the right place at the right time and uh as they say in hollywood the rest is history yeah very cool i want to welcome glenn because he's my he's a brother and a colleague and a friend and there are dealers and then there are dealers, as we all know, as piano technicians. There are dealers that you'd just as soon uh, push their heads slowly under the water and, and watch the bubbles. <laughs> then there are dealers that really you can forge a, a real relationship with. And Glenn is certainly one of those. And I have been... I've worked for him a, a, a couple of different times. Uh, one in the late 90s for a while. Middle, middle, middle 90s. Yeah. Okay. Mid 90s. That's right. 95, 96, 97. Right. Right. And then uh, for the past eight years, for the past eight years, my partner and I have taken care of the Mason and Hamlins, the Grotrians. The Steingravers, the Estonias, some some of the high-end Baldwins, just good pianos, and it's been an incredible relationship. And um, what I want to ask you first is, what's it like being a successful dealer in the age of COVID? You know, you've 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 you you've not only kept open, but you're opening a new store in Orange County. So what's it taken? What do you think it's taken? And why do you think you've basically not only survived, but thrived through this time? Well, we weren't open during the COVID. We were closed, but we were selling pianos every day, you know, by phone, by email. It's kind of crazy. We thought, hey, maybe we don't ever have to open. We just you know, to give video presentations of the pianos and people will wind up buying them. But, you know, what it comes down to is during these times, a lot of people wanted to get back to music uh, or they wanted to start for the very first time. So we sold an awful lot of, I hate to tell you guys, digital pianos, uh, just because, you know, it was easy for someone inexpensive, uh, uh, so, I mean, just crazy amounts. And, and you should probably know that every major manufacturer of digital pianos has basically sold out of anything under $1,500. None of them have a single piece of merchandise. Wow. And uh, like Roland won't have anything for us, they said, till the end of August, the beginning of September. I mean, can you imagine? That, that's how many sold during the, the lockdown. So kids... This is what I'm telling you. The low end this is what I've been telling you for 15 years in classes. The low end is going away. The low end of acoustic pianos is going away. And they who have the most skills is going to win for the next couple of decades and on. More skills you have, the more that you get a reputation of being able to voice and make a piano sing and really transform it with your work, the better you are. I just want to yeah. issue that Jeremiah ad right now one more time. I know you get 
tired of me saying it, but it's absolutely true. Well, I can tell you, David, as, as a pianist or owner and someone who is a pianist and, and a composer and who's been around pianos their entire life and is very picky about pianos, uh, I, I play every piano that we sell or almost every piano that we sell. And when the technicians are done with it, I, I go and check it. And, you know, inevitably I'll always find, you know, that A above middle C that wasn't voiced properly. You know, it's like, it's like I walk up and it's like a dun, 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 dun. They're wondering, okay, what is he gonna think of this? And of course I'll find the one note immediately that is just not voiced properly or, 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 or sounds off. But, you know, I, I think in, in relationship to David's point, even the lower end pianos that we sell, we try to voice, regulate, uh, and prepare. Now, I, I'm not going to tell you we spend as many hours, especially with uh, David's hourly rate, on those lower end pianos, but we, we, we have to bring them up to a certain level. So anybody who has the skills to voice, especially, regulate, and, and, and you know, there's so few guys out there who are really taking the time to to voice well and, and and david is just spectacular at that and he's trained other people to do it extraordinarily well but you know it's very important because number one you you we want the piano to be as good as it can be you know based on the the confines of the design and and, and uh, the way the design was executed um um, and that's not only, uh, you know, for, for the customer, but it's for us because when someone goes to a house that has a piano that we sold them, if it feels right, if it plays right, that's the source of additional business for us. So we want to make sure that the piano is as good as it can possibly be. And it doesn't matter what the level is. And right. there, there is still a large market for, for lower priced acoustic pianos. The whole market hasn't gone to high end, but it's moving in that direction. Right. So um, it's, it's funny when you ask dealers and piano technicians, so how many people in your area have the skills to make a piano really sound great in, you know, three, four, five, six hours? And, you know, I always say 10%, but they, a lot of people are a lot more, oh, 2%. 4%, you know, 5%. So again, this is an incredible opportunity for piano technicians. You, you get more skills and you will ensure yourself, you know, I believe a six figure income and or whatever, if, especially if you're anywhere near colleges and in a, a relatively good sized city, it's just, it, uh, it makes so much difference in a piano. I mean, I, I, at a certain point, I worked for another really great dealer in LA called David Abel, Fine Pianos. And I know, remember it's happened many, many times at Glenn's stores too. Somebody will come in and go, yeah, it's really good, but ah, there's just something about it that's, I don't know, it feels like it needs more. And call me up or my partner Nick up and say, Hey, trick, you know, do your, do your thing. 
and they'll and I will or we will and they'll come back and write a check. It's uh David, it's, let me tell them about a Mason and Hamlin concert grant CC. Okay, so Mason and Hamlin sends us a CC concert grant for concert and artist work. And I, I guess it was a piano they had around for a while. And, you know, they didn't give me the full story on it. But it went directly from their headquarters in Sacramento to the stage of the Nokia Theater, which I think is now the Microsoft Theater in L.A. And it was for the Shenyan Performing Arts. And uh, Shen Yan invited me to the concert, and I, I heard the the concert. And the, they had a Chinese opera and the piano accompanying it. And when I got back to the story, everybody was like, well, how was the concert, Grand Mason? I said, oh, it was the worst miking job you ever heard in your life. I mean, it was just awful. And then we finally got the piano after Shen Yan was over, and it got delivered to us. And when I played it, I was like, oh my God, it's, it's not the miking. This <laughs> piano, it's a nine foot piano. It sounds like a six foot piano. And yeah. I, called, I called David. I said, David, we got this concert grant. It's for CNA work. And I, I don't know what's wrong with it. And he said, oh my God, I hope, I hope there's nothing major because I had a, a Mason and Hamlin concert grant. I made them take back. And, yeah, oh, uh, I've condemned two or three boards on Mason and Hamlin concert grants. So, you know, Bruce and the boys were not happy with me. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he, he came and looked at this piano and he did his magic stuff for 45 minutes and tapped here and tapped there. And, and then he said, you know what? This piano has what it needs. I, I, I'm going to put together a plan. I think this is going to be great. And, and he did. And it's the piano we've used in our recital hall and, everybody no matter who plays it they just love it and this was a piano that you know it, it came in and it was like what this this doesn't sound like a nine-foot piano so what he's able to do i've seen very few people be able to take an existing piano and, and do that with uh dumb luck in one sense um you you guys want to know what i did the, the main thing I did, say yes, if you do. <laughs> uh, it was just, I, I set everything up. I set the blow, the blow distance was at like 42 millimeters or something. So I set the blow distance right. And I would pluck the strings and the strings just sang, man. The strings in uh, top of octave five and six and seven just sang. But in the piano, it just sounded terrible. I doused the lower from from where the felt starts up to the up to the staple with three to one uh, 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 thinner to lacquer. I just dosed them. I just soaked them. Came back the next day, and it was like literally a magic wand had been had been had been waved over the piano it got big and fundamental and it was just the hammers were too too light maybe the cores were too light they're using bamboo cores uh something but it just it was a it, I, I, you know i was a superhero for <laughs> a relatively small 
small <laughs> move, but it it worked great. And I've 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 done that since then on many pianos and had a radical positive effect on them. Um, yeah. And I found out that that Steingraber and Grotrian and Michael Spreeman, when he makes Ravencroft's pianos, does that. They harden the lower part of the hammer and to get the biggest fundamental tone. Yeah, so it made a giant difference. Yeah. So tell us what it's like uh, to go to the Steingraber factory. Oh, wow. And, well, and Udo Steingraber. Yeah, yeah, tell us like, the, the set and setting of the Steingraber factory, which is insane. Oh, the, you know, the Steingraber factory is in a building which was once the president's uh, palace in Bavaria. Um, so it's this old, amazing building, and it was kind of the center of power when Bavaria was its own, own country. And the only way I can describe Udo Steingraber as he personally took me through the factory is sort of like the Willy Wonka of pianos. I mean, you know, he's kind of giddy as he gets to each area explaining what they do. And uh, I I've never seen anybody as passionate and particular about all of the elements that go into the piano. I've never seen anybody take pieces and listen to them for sound. So for example, he'll take a leg and they'll be hitting it with the mallet to hear what kind of sound the leg makes. So the, 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 the lid prop, what kind of sound does the lid prop make? They'll get the complete action stack from Renner and they'll go through, they'll take off all the hammers and hit all the hammer shanks with, with a mallet to hear the sound. If, if the sound is not right, they're changing out those shanks, even, even the plate. They're hitting the plate with a mallet, and, and, and if it doesn't sound right, they're welding in certain areas to change the characteristic. I mean, it's just unbelievable what they do and scrutinize every, every element, every part. Just, just unbelievable. And, and they, you know, when I, when I went there also, David, I, I selected two pianos that were in production. And um, th they were both magical. One of them I, I played as, as it was being built and it, it actually moved me to the point of being choked up. I never had that experience before. Man, Steingraber pianos are, are unique, I, I believe. You can, if you, when you prepare them properly and precisely, and I've learned so much from the man that used to be their head concert tech. His name is Alex Kirsten. And now he's the head of production in the factory. He's only like 37 or 38. He's a, he's a genius piano technician. And he taught me so much. Just hanging around him, just watching him do stuff, taught me so much. It's just an incredible gift to watch really truly masters way beyond me work on pianos. It's just, it's amazing. And these pianos so richly deserve, you know, that level of, of, of work. Um, 
Talk about the Grotrian factory too, because those pianos now are just gorgeous. Grotrian is very fortunate because the gentleman who's running the, the factory is someone you guys might know, Stefan Gretzka, who had spent the last 10, 12 years at the head of Kluge. And uh, now he's in charge of, of Grotrian. And his goal at Grotrian is to get up. He told me he wants to get to the Steingraber level of quality. So they, they've undertaken a complete reorganization of the factory. They've uh, reduced the amount of pianos they make so they can focus on making each one, you know, perfect, wonderful, et cetera. Um, they make a phenomenal concert grand and, and basically we can't hardly get them here in the U.S. because the Russian conservatories buy everything they can possibly make. Uh, we, we did get one. And then you mentioned Alex. Alex uh, came to prep some Steingrabers in our, our store and he happened to touch the Grotrian concert grand and then gave David a list of things he needed to do to that. Um, this guy is amazing. You know, he, he, he touches a piano and can understand what to do. Like we just breathe in and out or drink water. Um, so Grotrian is, is doing some phenomenal things. And I also visited in Germany, the, the Steinberg factory. I was very impressed with what they're doing too. That's in Eisenberg, Germany. And, and tell us what the Steinberg essentially is. It, it was like the first really well selling well-known what we call a hybrid piano correct yes yes so you know it's a, a combination of uh, chinese and and german you know they they get partially built pianos there and they finish them in the factory there they yeah. do a pretty good job yeah, they do they because they they're using <clears throat> especially now and i want you to talk about this special of the, the special division of Pearl River that just started up with a true hybrid piano. They're using, get this, they, they built a whole new wing on the factory or, or, or yeah. building on the factory to do just these hybrid hand-built pianos. Yeah, and so Stefan Moher, who is the right-hand guy <clears throat> for Luther, Luther Toma, he was his, his uh, protege, and uh, <clears throat> he's in the factory overseeing the production of this sort of hybrid European slash Chinese labor built piano. Right. Only the very, very best materials, Renner actions, Kluge keyboards, you know, phenomenal, phenomenal parts, and, and they're building them in a separate factory or section of the factory all of what Kawhi does with Shigeru Kawhi you know it's a, right. it's a totally exactly right. separate thing hardwood rims yeah sand cast plates uh either Bolduc or Cerisa soundboards Bolduc pin blocks it's like it's a serious piano I'm just I'm 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 thrilled that the build quality is 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 rising and rising and rising because China is China is the epicenter of pianos now. You can well, David. You know, to China sells first of all more pianos are made in China than the rest of the world combined. More China, more pianos are sold in China than the rest of the world combined. 
So, I mean, and, and Chinese are very particular about pianos and anybody who's worked with Chinese customers understand that they're, they're very particular. So Chinese companies, which once were the hallmark of low priced introductory pianos, well, they can't compete on that anymore. They've got to compete on quality because there's so many of them, you know, that the, the ones that make low price quality they're kind of left behind and they're forced to just be in the domestic market. Anybody's exporting as, as Larry Fine has said in his book, you know, where he once felt he needed to be the arbiter of quality when we had a lot of questionable quality being made here, like American only in Memphis, Tennessee, and, and some of the stuff that Kimball was doing in Indiana. Uh, and Larry has said in his book, he said, you know, I, I can't uh, really be the arbiter of quality because everything that's being imported to the country now is, is okay. You know, it's various levels, of things, but it's not like years ago where th there was, you know, junk being made in some factories. Yeah, I'd like, I'd like, um, um, I'd like uh, Ethan, if you could uh, look at some of the questions and oh, see perfect. if- perfect. I was just about to cut it and I was like, okay, so David's has something to say now. To wait to go to the questions. That's perfect. We're gonna jump back a little bit. I think, you know, some answers were tossed around in the chat, but just to just to check back in, because I think it was important to, to people. A bunch of people got what you did to that piano, um, but somebody, you know, Carl specifically asked you to explain what you meant by soaked. Um, the entire hammer, including the crown? No, 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 no. Only up to the staple. From the, from the beginning of the felt up to the staple. So the bottom half, essentially, of the piano. And soaked means, ding, 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 you know, just kept the dropper there until it was completely soaked. And you have to do it way down because it wicks up. Yeah, <clears throat> I experimented with the first one and I, I kind of put too much on it, wicked above the staple. So then I, I, I started it further down and it wicked right up to that line, to that kind of nine o'clock line. And it was, uh, it was super successful. And you use, uh, for an application in that uh, situation, do you use a brush or do you use like a- No, no, I use a dropper. Dropper. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, hopefully that was sufficiently answered. And the three to one was the ratio. I'm pretty sure you three said that. One. That's right. That's Very that. thick and heavy. Yes. A lot of lacquer. Uh, a comment here from Jurgen Goring. Uh, oh, Jurgen. Uh, yeah. Welcome, Jurgen. I think he's agreed to join us on a future episode. If we, yeah. We're working out the details, but. <laughs> um, uh, but he said Steingraber's 200th anniversary bash this year had to be canceled due to COVID. That's so sad. That. Bad. Um, moving on to William Magnuson said, what's going on with Schimmel? Do we have any input on that question? Ah, that's a good question. Yeah. They're, they're, they're uh, owned by uh, the Pearl River Company. And uh, they're still making pianos as good as they ever did. And uh, from what I'm told from the Pearl River P 
people, they can't make enough to supply the Chinese market. I'm talking about the German-built ones. There's such a demand, they cannot make enough. So that's a fascinating question. Schimmel completely redid everything, a lot of things, let's say. Uh, I want to say six to eight years ago, and they completely revamped the concert series. And I played a new Schimmel, I think four years ago, and I was not a big fan of Schimmel pianos. Though that was a piano pre-upgrade that just really sounded like two different pianos. Like you'd be, you'd be playing along or tuning along in the bottom and then you'd reach the, the, the capo section. It would literally sound like the piano jumped 10 feet away from you. It was, it was a weird, it was a weird, you know, audio kind of illusion. And, you know, there was some action issues and some build quality issues. But now, man, I, I'll tell you, I spent two days with a, with a new seven foot Schimmel concert about a year and a half ago, just a regular two day service where you repin the shank flanges and do all this stuff. And man, it turned out like, like a recording piano, man. It sounded awesome. So the build quality and the quality of the pianos that are being made today is the best ever. Wouldn't you say that, Ethan and Glenn? Yeah. yeah. I think everybody has to focus on quality. And, uh, you know, the competition is fierce, especially among German builders, because all of them have a new life since China has come alive. Right. Uh, all these companies that were teeter-tottering on, on the edge of bankruptcy or insolvency, they all have a new life because there's such a large market for hand-built pianos in China. That's right. And Chinese, the Chinese piano playing public, especially the ones that buy good pianos, are hurting for good technicians. They're like desperate for good technicians. There's not enough technicians there that know how to really, you know, voice and do the high end, you know, last five, 10% that make a piano sing. There's a, there's a super shortage of those people. So it's a, it's a fascinating market, man. It's a fascinating market. And I suggest you lose all your judgments and, you know, whatever whether they're nationalist based on, you know, 10 year old information that ah, these Chinese, you know, yeah. it's, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta come into the present day. I'll tell you what, the, the handful of Baldwin pianos, good big grands that I've uh, prepared at Glenn's uh, are surprisingly good pianos. You know what, David, let me, let me tell everybody a story about that. When I first got the new Baldwins in, I was very impressed with them. And I said to David, you know, I'd like you to prep these. Can, can, you, can you play this? Tell me what you think. He's ah, no, I, I, I don't like Baldwin. I said, just, well, I, I want you to see what you can do in prepping this. And then he sat down, he played, he said, oh, my God. Yeah, I better exactly stop right. bad-mouthing Baldwin. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, so the, the, 
What's interesting is, you know, uh, on the subject of Baldwin, they have recreated all of their American designs in, in their factory, in, in the Gibson Baldwin factory in Zhangshan, China. So all of the pianos that they formerly made in the United States, I'm talking about the verticals, are, are all being made there now. And um, I have to tell you, having sold their product years ago and having now sold the new iterations of them, the quality control out of their Zongshan factory is so consistent. And, and we never, in all the years I sold them prior, we never got that kind of consistent quality from the American factories, sad to say, but true. That's exactly right. When, when I started to prep that Baldwin, it was like, wow, all of the key travel is exactly 10.15 millimeters. All, all of the aftertouch is this little nice, just that satisfying, ah, small and basically pretty close to the same, even between the sharps and the, and the, and the naturals, which is difficult as you all know. It's difficult to get the, the aftertouch exactly the same on all the keys. So I was like, wow, you know, uh, made it the hammers to the strings and they were very close. This is a high level of regulation. In fact, you know, this is, I mean, I, 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 I was first grudgingly ad, admiring and then just like, wow, these guys are doing it. So your pre my preconceived notions of, you know, what Chinese pianos are or can be are pretty much out the window now. I'm open. I got a couple of follow-ups here and somebody asked why in the chat there. I think it was at the moment we were talking about why they're doing so well manufacturing the Chinese pianos. I've, I've only been to Hong Kong. I don't know a lot about China, but, you know, I feel a sense of that habit and structure is a very uh, ingrained in the culture and the manufacturing processes there. And also this sort of continuous improvement, you know, these minor improvements that just compound and compound and compound. And I feel like that's, I'm, I'm intuiting this and then I'm gonna follow up with some questions, but you know, if you can start from making the lower end pianos, you know, and, and send them over to US, but if you do still have a continuous method of improvement where just by a little bit, 1%, improvements little by little by little, those things just get better and better. That's my intuition. Um, I'm curious, two questions I want to follow up uh, with Glenn. One, do you think I'm right with that? Number two, in terms of just the Chinese market now being so uh, robust at the moment, uh, do you have a sense or an intuition of, is that gonna somehow have its own arc or is this something that's here for a longer period of time, or is it going to fade away at a certain point? What you know? What what exactly? I know there's a strong cultural impetus to learn piano over there. Yes. But yeah. So, what are your thoughts about you know why in China? You know why are they doing so well? And also, you know how long do you think this is going to last over there? Well, you know, it's a cultural thing. And uh, Chinese parents put a lot of importance on music education, the way American parents did, say, 30 years ago. 
but they really get it. They understand that the kids do better. And, you know, for a Chinese parent, it's not, um, uh, you know, a, a choice of the kid. You know, it's like, you're going to play the piano. You're going to play the violin. Oh, you don't want to play? Too bad. You know, th that's, that's the attitude. Uh, so, you know, it's ingrained in the culture. You know, it's kind of that tiger mom thing. Um, hey, you know, you know the, the, the fact of the matter is, without Chinese slash Asian customers in the United States, the, the American piano industry would be, I mean, as far as retailers, the American piano industry would be in terrible shape because a good portion of the pianos that are being sold in the United States are being sold to Asian clients. And in cities where there aren't a lot of Asians, there aren't a lot of piano sellers. That's, right. that's, that's an interesting thing to think about, yeah. So I think the short answer is China's gonna be the nexus of pianos for a while, for a yeah. long time. It's the population, it's the numbers, you know, you have a, you know, there, there, there are more people learning piano in China, you know, than have probably learned piano here in the last 10 years. And that's just on an annual basis. I think it's more than that. I, I think the stat I heard a couple of years ago was there was something like 42 million people that were registered with some kind of certificate-based uh, 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 program that were registered piano students. So double that, and that's probably the number of piano students in the 80 to 100 million. Yeah. And but these people love the piano. They're crazy yeah. about the piano. It's, it, we, if you go to Shanghai, there's a street with nothing but piano stores for like six blocks. Wow. Wow. <laughs> right? Like 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 50 whatever street in Manhattan used to be. We've never had anything like this. Well, 50, 50 you know, 54th Street in Manhattan had only like Sam Ash and Manny's and all those stores. But here I'm talking about like six blocks of piano stores. Wow. Wow. That's that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, somebody had a follow-up to what I said about you know the advantages of China. And of course the one that that we none of us mentioned is that the labor is is less expensive there, and so I you know I guess if you if your resources go a longer way, then then you can make them go longer. Yeah, I mean you know the problem for for China is their their cost of labor is not what it was. I mean you know it's gone That's up, true. so they they can't compete at the lowest. And actually, the cost of labor in Indonesia is way lower than it is in China, and I think right. you know. That's why Samic, Kawhi, and Yamaha manufacture things there. They can do it even cheaper. Uh, but, you know, as you know, Indonesians are a very uh, humid climate. So I had visited that Indonesian factory of Samic, and they had terrible, at one time, terrible air control. So they couldn't control the humidity very well. And I remember the first time I visited the Pearl River factory, 25 years ago they had terrible air control now the whole thing is hermetically sealed and they really control the, the moisture uh, it, it going in and out of the building much in the same way the japanese companies do yeah yeah it's it 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 really is everything has 
their learning curve and their quality curve has gone pretty much straight up in my view over the last 10 years because they've made a lot of money selling pianos and they can put it back into the to the to the r d and the build uh you know getting back to your point you know what's important to a, to a piano dealer for the relationship with a piano technician, the more skills that a piano technician has, the more valuable they are to us because, you know, a lot of people can tune the piano. Some people can tune and repair, but you know, there's that other level of almost like artistry when it comes to uh, preparing a piano. And so if you have those skills for voicing regulation and can transform a piano, you become way more valuable to a piano seller because you can take this piano and make it better for our clients or make it more sellable. That's right. That's exactly right. And that's, kind of, I stand on that. Every time I teach a class, I talk about that. And it's super important. And it's super important for all my beloved brothers and sisters here to really hear, you know, doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter anything. If you wanna acquire better skills, better voicing skills, better diagnostic skills, more precise, intuitive, regulation and tuning skills, man, the world is open to you right now. Our, our little community is, if, if you can do that, then, uh, you know, you got an open path to making great money and having a, 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 an artisanal life in pianos, really. It's, it's, it's cool. There's all kinds of, you know, yeah, buts. You know, yeah, but I'm out in the boondocks. Yeah, but this, yeah, but that. Yeah, but I'm 60 years old. Yeah, but yeah, but that's just uh, resistance, man. You know, the reality is the better you feel about your work, the better you feel about your work, the better you feel about you, the more both power and humility you get the better you get at this, the more you realize, Jesus, I don't, I don't know much, you know? <laughs> that is the truth. The better I get, the more I develop my skills, the more I really humbly realize, wow, I just, I just have a long way to go. And I know a teeny, if it's an ocean of piano technology, I know this little bay you know, that you can look across. That's what I know. So um, anybody else have any questions? Yeah, I got some stuff to come, come through with here. First of all, if I were watching this and then I heard you talking about voicing and I heard, you know, Glenn talking about voicing and then I saw me put what I just put in the chat, which is Piano Texas Masterclasses has a lot of classes on voicing, great classes on voicing, including some that, that uh, David talks about. I'd be suspicious that we were all just kind of planning to promote <laughs> piano technics and master glasses. So, I mean, you can't you do, I think. Cynical people use. <laughs> none of this is planned, but we do have some great, we have some great classes on voicing. So if you want to learn something from home, uh, check it out. 
Um, moving on to, I'm going to get to this interesting John R. You can, if there's any more to your question in this, he's placed a piece of paper with his question in his video. I'm going to get to that in a second. So if you want to reposition your paper so that all the text is visible. Um, but it's just a kind of a fun question uh, coming from someone a little bit earlier was uh, what, what's the story with that artwork in the background that comes from Pat? Is that a poster she can get? It looks like some sort of knitted, uh, what, what, what is that artwork in the back? That's, that's, you know, that's a tapestry. I, I was in downtown Burbank one day and um, there was a fabric store that had this fabric. That's and, you know, I said, can you make me something to hang on the wall? Uh, which they did. And uh, then I made a second one. So I've had this thing like um, 25 years. Wow, dude. Yeah. Nice. You make a make like a dress out of that or something. <laughs> <laughs> That'd well, be pretty crazy. <laughs> uh, this is an interesting, uh, interesting question from David. Um, um, do you want me to read it? Or? The question is why the U.S. labor is incapable of this level of production at this point. What is the relative pay for piano factory workers? You know that? I don't think, I, you know, I, I think it's not a question of being incapable. I think it's just, a, you know, a kind of a mindset of uh, American workers and management in the past, you know, we don't really have any ex current examples. Uh, but, you know, I think that we in America can make things as good or better than any place else. I mean, you know, look at a company like Tesla and what they're able to manufacture. Yeah. So I think that, you know, there was a mindset in this country at one time where we made things that were just good enough, like our automobiles and our pianos and many other things that we no longer make here. And if we had the mindset to make them as good as we could make them, I mean, you know, the few remaining companies like Steinway and like Mason and Hamlin have, have tried to increase quality. And, you know, I would say to anybody, if you ever get to Haverhill, Mass, take the uh, Mason and Hamlin tour, because it's really quite something to see the level of care and, and, and that they put into the building those pianos here, proudly build them here in the USA. So I don't think it's a question of, us not being able to do it. I think that when we did it, the mindset was different. I think if we did it today, it would be a whole different story. But then, you know, then it comes to the economics of, of cost of our labor here and can we compete? That's right. And it, it also with one of our two major piano makers, um, the mindset sometimes I think is well, just just put them out there and let the stores prep them. And I've been called in on a number of new pianos from the New York manufacturer. And they're just really, they're not finished anywhere near the quality that the high-end Chinese pianos are or the high-end or most German pianos are. They're just not. And I don't know, I don't think that's a, a lack of skills. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe somebody here knows better than I do. One of these, this cohort of beautiful piano technicians knows better than I do, but I don't know what that is. 
Um, uh, Jurgen said cost of labor in Germany is, is uh, much higher than in the US. Yeah, I know. And every German piano I put my hands on, uh, and Estonia as well, is, comes out of the factory pretty amazingly well, you know? I don't have to do two days of work on it. I have to do about four, five, six hours of, of work on it. And it's and that's just because it came across in a in a in a crate on a plane or on a boat, but usually a plane nowadays. And it shook up and jostled in different microenvironments and stuff. It's not because they didn't do the best they could at the end of the line. So I'm going to jump over here to John R's question, which he left on and his image here. Uh, it says, oh, here he goes. Are hybrid pianos the next new thing? Uh, I hear a lot of talk about hybrid pianos being the next new thing. And yet I believe there's some confusion as to what a hybrid piano actually is and whether or not it could be used as a piano alternative in serious education. Hybrid cars, uh, it refers to an alternative power source providing some advantage in energy. And there's other kinds of hybrid vehicles. Um, there's gas. We assume that hybrid is a gas or electric for a, uh, for a vehicle. And he's just kind of with the rest of what he's written there asking, what is the advantage of hybrid? Why, why are we putting digital and acoustic together? And does it, does it make sense or, or doesn't it? Ethan, I think I think there are two sorts of hybrids here. So the hybrid that David was referring to earlier was the hybrid uh, of a European and and Chinese company coming together to create a hybrid European slash uh, Asian uh, piano. But I think what the gentleman is referring to are digital pianos that have uh, acoustic pianos parts in them, and um, when it comes to a digital piano with acoustic piano parts, a lot of that, in my opinion, is marketing. Because, you know, if you're going to have a digital piano and you're going to put a real wood action in it, you're going to have all the issues that are associated with real wood actions, expansion, contraction, uh, things swelling up. Uh, I mean, you know, why are we going to take a 21st century high tech item and shove a 300 year old technology in it, it doesn't make sense to me, it's strictly for marketing. But yeah, there's a lot of them out there that are combining quote unquote, uh, real acoustic piano actions in a digital piano. And some companies are putting uh, actual soundboards. Uh, but we know that speakers are capable of, of doing almost anything if engineered properly. And actions that are engineered properly don't necessarily happen for a digital piano, don't have to be wood or replications of what has been in an acoustic piano. But it seems to be a kind of a trend out there among digital piano makers these days. That's what, that's what, <clears throat> when Yamaha and Kawai talk about a hybrid piano, that's the hybrid piano that I'm, that I'm talking about. The, uh, I mean, that, that, that's not the kind of hybrid piano I'm talking about. Have, have any of you ever played a Fondrick and Sons uh, grand piano? Yeah, that was the original kind of hybrid piano. Uh, Darrow gave a manufacturer that he trusted very detailed instructions for a hardwood rim bent on a rim bender 
a sand cast plate, uh, and then they supplied a Bolduc pin block, Bolduc soundboard, Renner action parts, Ronson hammers, you know, a truly a hybrid between US, European, and Chinese parts. And the reason uh, Daryl could sell a seven foot awesome sounding piano, I maintain about four of them, uh, for under 30,000 bucks. That's the reason, because he can sell an original, hand-built, feeling-sounding, awesome piano for a lot less, and have it be <clears throat> rugged and solid and beautiful, you know? I'm realizing it's interesting kind of factor that maybe people don't often think about. I have a, I have a friend who makes custom um, hollow body electric guitars. Maybe we'll have him on for, you know, maybe an interesting mix it up, but you know, it's people come to him for his, his guitars in particular, cause he made them. And I think um, there's probably something to be said for, you know, each artist might have a, an instrument that works best for them through a partic particular manufacturer. And I think we've also talked about, not in this setting, but maybe others in conversations with David and I, you know, different customers work well with different piano technicians, you know, they like a different sound for their piano. Someone likes the David Anderson sound, somebody likes the Carl Lieberman sound, you know, and I think um, it's an interesting way to think about all of this, you know, that they're not like a best piano manufacturer in the world, but there's multiple great piano manufacturers who produce different, you know, different nuanced sounds that maybe appropriate in different situations. Yeah, <clears throat> I have many clients that love the sound of Baldwin's. They, they have a Baldwin, they love it, and I, I get it. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a different tonal world. There's clients that I have that will not, they, they own a Bosendorfer, they don't like to play pianos besides Bosendorfers. It's just every head is a planet, man. Every head is a completely subjective, tonal universe and you know hey let let a hundred pianos bloom or let a thousand flowers bloom or whatever the phrase is uh that's part of the beauty of being a piano technician that you can take that essential voice of an instrument and just maximize the efficiency of it until it it sings and blooms and yeah you know that's that's the beauty and if it's a good piano you can make it do that so uh we're going to be wrapping up here pretty soon uh about five minutes but uh one thing i want to call back because they're we're gonna we're gonna start releasing this all i don't think i mentioned it in the show here but we're gonna start releasing this as a podcast um at some point in the future so you can listen to it in your car when you're driving around hopefully when you get back to work um so those that were listening that the sort of artwork behind Glenn is sort of a tapestry kind of piano pattern of fabric, you know, with like lots of pianos thrown in. So uh, you, can, you can try to find the video if you're, if you're just listening to this. And just a few interesting comments that have come in the chat here. Uh, Rick Overton is here with us today too. So, so thanks for being here with us. Hey, Rick. Hey, Rick. Some, yeah, hey. He's made some interesting comments. He said from Google, in 2018, manufacturing labor costs in China were estimated to be five 
and a half dollars per hour. This is compared to an estimated $4.45 US dollars per hour in Mexico and $2.73 uh, cents US dollars in Vietnam. This is interesting, like giving us a perspective that there certainly are cheaper places to make things than, than China. Um, uh, David Lehedahal, uh, Le Le I'm not pronouncing that right. I'm not gonna try right now. Um, hybrid pianos are great for public schools, especially practice rooms right around solo and ensemble time. Uh, still like full acoustic for the main music rooms. And uh, let's see if there the are- The hybrid pianos also, those hybrid pianos also have full headphone setup. So you can, you can have 10 in a room banging away and it's cool. Yeah. So uh, I, I would say we can start to wind down a little bit. I'm just curious if, if um, I don't know if, if Glenn, thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure. You've got a lot of great information and uh, we appreciate you sharing it with us. And I think your, your passion for fine piano is really shining through in this, uh, in this episode and the depth of, and breadth of your knowledge. It's really, um, it's really great to have you with us. So we thank, thank you for making the time. You're out there in the, in the warehouse today, right? You said? Well, I decided I'd come into the office first and then go to the warehouse because I don't want to be interrupted with, with questions and noise and stuff. So okay, okay. Cool. Well, thank you for taking time away from your warehouse time, which sounds fun, maybe. <laughs> well, so. we're, we're moving that warehouse, so we're in the process of liquidation there. All right. Yeah, it's so great also to see you among the people that's taking a tough time, as, as David said, and, you know, just leveraging it, leveraging it how you can, being creative, you know, taking something that can uh, kill you and letting it make you stronger, you know, as they say. So, yeah, that's very inspirational, I think, I think for all of us. And uh, I'm just curious if you have any parting words or, or thoughts for the folks with us today. Well, you know, what I'd like to say is, you know, there's a symbiotic relationship with piano sellers and uh, so, uh, sometimes look at it as sort of uh, antagonistic, but it should be, you know, we're, we're all in this very small piano community together and we've all got to work together, support piano playing and, and uh, pianos and, and quality uh, pianos and quality piano preparation and you know you know whatever local community you're in just uh, you know foster those relationships with with your local piano company and and you know understand that we're we're in this thing together we're all part of the same thing yeah i think that's a great attitude thank you glenn yeah thank you so much all right. Well, we've put the uh, we put some links in the chat if people are interested in signing up. We've got an opportunity for you to support this project, you know, Piano Tech Radio Hour for just about two dollars an episode. We'll give you extra perks. Make sure you get the logins before anyone else, and you don't have to go through some registration process. We put all the recordings for you available, um, so you can go back and you can check things out and review them. And that helps uh, support, you know, the team of people that we've got working behind the scenes. We've got Kujo, we've got Tal, we've got Ian, uh, we've got Nikolai, we've got Daniel, we've got Sarah, we've got Pat, and we're putting together a podcast for you behind the scenes as well. So thank you to anyone who's, who's signing up for that $8 a month. It really helps us support this project.
And um, feedback form is also in link to in the chat there. So fill that out. That helps us change and grow and make things better and better as we go. So uh, without further ado, we'll, we'll basically sign off. Any last words from you, David? Uh, just this is a continuing source of joy for me. And I'm, yeah. I'm blown out every Saturday that, you know, dozens and dozens of people show up and I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful to be in my little quarantined world and be able to <laughs> see all your lovely faces and and uh, nerd out in one of the places I'm a complete nerd, which is in pianos. And Glenn's a nerd. I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. And so uh, here we are, kids. So thank you so much. And uh, I'll see you next week. Do we, ha do, do we know who's going to be on next week, brother? Oh, yeah, uh, we do know who's going to be on next week. We're getting, a bat we're getting our, 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 our S our shit together. We're getting our shit together. <laughs> I yeah, think we're on the show. It's yeah. like, awesome. Yeah, um, but we've got, uh, we've got uh, Tim Barnes from Gazelle next week. Oh, wow. He's a, he's a pretty interesting character and he knows yeah. about putting a good system together for your business. And uh, we'll see if you've got any ideas, what you want him to talk about, you can message us and say, Hey, I want him to talk about this business, you know, whatever. Um, aspects of business might be appropriate for him but yeah we'll have him on next week and we, we're lining up some other great great folks down the line so uh so that's going to be it's going to be exciting we're going to keep going with this beautiful uh, continue all right all right we'll see you guys next week thank you very much a couple of things david make sure not to close your browser um until that uh until that audio is finished uploading you got I'll it stop recording but yeah, just keep that open. And Daniel, don't sign off because uh, you're the host. I'll reclaim the host. And but we're yeah, we're pretty much done. I'll start our heading off half line uh, on Facebook and YouTube, and we'll start saying goodbye to people. Bye, guys. Hey, see you later. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for giving us an hour of your time. Remember that you can catch us live online every Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. That's right. Go to pianotechradio.com to register so you can interact live and ask questions of our guests. See you next week.